0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is going to sound slightly different because I am not sitting in front of my microphone. I do not have my headphones on. I am actually driving in my uh, truck and recording on my phone. And what today is, is the first of what we are going to call our mutual aid episodes. And what are our mutual aid episodes going to consist of? They're going to be short, my friends, probably 10 to 15 minutes tops, digging a little deeper into something we talked about on one of the previous podcasts or discussing a potential training idea or a topic that comes up on one of our Instagram lives or one of our Zoom calls, just something that we want to dig into a little bit deeper um, and maybe not spend an entire episode on. But, uh, just give you some, some tips, tricks, and ideas regarding that specific topic. So today we are going to talk about radios. Well, not radios, physical, uh, you know, radios, but, but radio transmissions and radio usage and radio protocols. This is, um, if you think about it, how to utilize your portable or mobile radio um, on the fire ground or when responding to the emergency scene is probably one of the skills that we use most often throughout our career in the fire service, but never get any formal training on it. If I were to take a poll of those of you listening right now, I would just about guarantee that the majority of you never had any formal training on radio communications, radio procedures, or how to use the radio. I know I never did. Trial by fire. It's it's all been trial by fire since the very beginning. Um, for most of us, those radio trans uh, the the use of the radio begins. Maybe when we're cleared as an interior firefighter to go um, interior into the structure and our company has enough radios where each member uh, gets to utilize one, maybe it doesn't start until you become an officer because your company doesn't have the funding to be able to give portable radios to every member or every interior member. So when you become a lieutenant in your company, you're issued your first portable radio. But were you given any training on it? Were you given any training on your county 911's policies and procedures and the do's and don'ts of radio transmissions? Were you giving any formal training on Mayday procedures and how to handle them? Were you given any formal training on emergency evacuation procedures and how to handle those and what to do in those situations? Probably not. Maybe some of you were, but I would venture to guess that the majority of you have not been. So, briefly, let's talk about the makeup of a good radio transmission. All right, first of all, you need to be clear and concise, clear and concise, and direct, and use plain English. Okay? Um, Most of us in today's day and age of NIMS and ICS have gotten gotten away from codes, signals, or whatever may have been used in the past. First and foremost, when you're going to key the microphone on a radio, whether it's a portable or a mobile, you need to know what you're going to say prior to pushing that button. You need to formulate that thought. Very important that you have that thought formulated in your head. Otherwise, it is not going to come out right and it probably, you probably will not get the message that you intend to get out across. So before you key the mic, think about what you're going to say. Think about your transmission. Um, think about the message, right? Keyword here is the message. Think about the message. So that's very important. Your demeanor is extremely important. We have all listened to that fire ground or that scene where there's that person that is always screaming on the radio. It does not matter what the transmission is. It could be something extremely simple and they're yelling. They're always yelling. They're animated. They're high strung whatever the reason is, they're always yelling. They're always in a raised voice. Well, what's the problem with that? When you're constantly in a raised voice and you're constantly yelling and screaming, chances are, first of all, that nobody can understand the damn word you're saying. Chances are, if you've heard that person and you've listened to that person, You've also heard either whoever is receiving the message, whether it be another firefighter or another piece of apparatus or 911, you've heard them ask them to repeat their message multiple times. Well, that's because nobody can understand them because they're screaming. There is no reason to be screaming all the time, but it takes practice to be clear, concise, and calm. It takes practice. The nice thing about one of the benefits of being a volunteer firefighter is we typically get to know most of our people, right? We, we get to know most of the people, obviously, in our company, in our mutual aid, in our surrounding area. And based on somebody's voice, their tone of voice, if they are calm, cool, and collected all the time, based on the tone of their voice, we can tell when things are not right. So if you're consistently calm, all right, and you talk in that same tone of voice, that calm, clear, concise tone of voice, when something is wrong and you're no longer speaking that way, or you're more animated, or you have slightly raised the tone of your voice, people are going to take notice and people are gonna know that something there is not right. And that's just by utilizing a different tone of voice. So no screaming on the radio, calm, clear, concise messages, know what you're gonna say before you say it. Those of you going in to somebody else's scene in a mutual aid situation. This is a mutual aid episode, so let's talk about mutual aid for a minute. You don't need to be on the radio from the minute you leave your fire station to the minute you get to that mutual aid scene. If you are, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. Pulling up to the scene and saying, what do you need or what do you got? Or there's another catchphrase out there that actually came up last night in our uh, training. What's your pleasure? I can understand that if your apparatus is going to a certain place, maybe to a different spot to draft water, or maybe you're hitting a hydrant, um, and you need to know where that is or how they want you to, you know, lay in, lay out, whatever it may be. But if you're just supplying an engine and manpower, you know, what's your pleasure? Well, my pleasure is for you and your manpower to come up to the scene or the staging area and we'll give you an assignment. Right? But do we really need to discuss that on the radio? How about directions? If you're going mutual aid, And the first thing out of your mouth when you sign on to the radio is, where am I going? Most of us have this really cool thing hanging in our firehouse. Maybe a lot of us don't have it anymore because it's kind of a thing of the past. But how about we refer to a map before we jump in the apparatus and go rolling out? Or maybe you pull it up on uh, Google Maps or um, Waze or whatever your favorite app is. Okay. Why do we need to, why are we jumping in a piece of apparatus or jumping in a command vehicle and rolling out hot only to ask, where are we going? If we don't know where we're going, how are we going at all? So I know that, you know, as somebody who has been an incident commander many times in in my career, that it's extremely frustrating when I'm trying to run a scene and, all this unnecessary radio traffic is happening from people that are not even on my scene. One other thing that I'll throw out there, which happens commonly and has happened to me. Um, the trend is that the uh, 911 center is going to communicate with the senior officer. So if I'm car one, they're going to communicate with me. But what if I'm car one and I'm coming from my job, which is five miles away, and my car three or car four is already on the scene? I shouldn't be commanding that scene from five miles away. Sure, if I want to take over that scene when I get there, if I want to assume command, that's going to be my prerogative to do so but I shouldn't be commanding the scene when I'm not on the scene and one of my other officers is, I have to have trust in my officers and that's a completely different topic, completely different episode, but it does have to do with radio transmission and radio traffic. So these are all simple tips and things that we can think about. Think about putting together a communications drill for your members that maybe have never utilized the radio before don't put them in the position to be in the jump seat because no officer responded that day and they're the senior of the people that showed up and the chauffeur hands them the microphone and they don't know what to say we've heard those messages sure we get a good chuckle out of them maybe we uh you know we get a little ribbing in when we get back to the station but it's uncomfortable for them and it's embarrassing to us, right? It's embarrassing to us as an organization. So, but whose fault is that? Have you trained them? Have you given them the tools to talk on the radio, to utilize the radio, to know how to use the radio? What channel is what? All right. What bank is, most radios in today's day have so many channels in it, they're set up in banks, right? So what is bank one, bank two, bank three, bank four? What are they used for? What are those channels for? How do I get from bank to bank? How do I turn off the scan feature? We could do an episode on the scan feature, right? Because the scan feature, which a lot of us like to utilize, can be dangerous, If I'm operating on the fire ground that I'm supposed to be on a specific tactical channel or specific ground channel, and I'm scanning everything that's going on, and there's a mayday, or there's an emergency evacuation, or I need to hear an urgent message, how am I going to do that if I'm on the scan channel? I might get lucky, and I might hear it, but it's like rolling the dice, because that radio is scanning all these other channels. I could be listening to the local police agency responding to something that has nothing to do with my fire scene when one of my firefighters is calling from interior with an urgent message and I am missing it because I'm on the scan feature. So these are all quick little tips and tricks, my friends. All right, again, I am not an expert at everything that I speak of. I am far from an expert. one thing that I have learned from my friend, John, in, in, the, in all the different things that we have done on either the podcast or social media, uh, he always says that he is not an expert. He does not know everything. I am the same way. I am not an expert. I do not know everything. But what I offer you is my experiences uh, throughout the years, things that I have learned from other people, and things that I think we all need to pay a little bit more attention to, all of us, myself included, we need to pay a little bit more attention to to make us the professionals that we want to be. Thanks for tuning in to today's Mutual Aid episode. Again, don't forget, you can reach out to us on social media at Professional Volunteer. Shoot us an email if you have an idea, professionalvff, that's professional VFF at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at professionalvolunteerfirefighter.com. That's professionalvolunteerfirefighter.com. And again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of everything that we're doing. And don't forget, a paycheck does not make you a professional. How you approach the job does. Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe and stay healthy.